Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we are here talking Survivor 44, Episode 5, The Third Turd. Evan, you promised me some gossip at the beginning of this episode. Please, spill. Okay, so I think that I hung out with Parvati last week after we recorded the episode, correct? Yeah, I haven't heard anything about this. Okay, so first things first, I got to meet Parvati last week. We got drinks together in West Hollywood. I was so starstruck the entire time. (laughs) It just was like, I don't know. I meet actors and celebrities all the time, but beating Parvati felt like elevated. Um, So we had drinks together and it was just so fun getting to like hang out with her and, you know, she'll sort of tangentially like rattle off an iconic factoid here and there, which she, you know, in her mind, she's just saying something very flippant but to me i'm like wait like that's you know she unlocks some memory for me so that was really great last night i was watching survivor at a friend's house i'm back again in los angeles and i just decided to text ozzy and i was like oh what are you doing tonight for survivor anyway long story made medium length i watched last night's episode with ozzy and again starstruck by parvati also starstruck by ozzy And I just couldn't believe, A, that I was hanging out with Ozzy. This was our first time meeting in person. Mm. But then to be like watching the thing with him that he is known for Mm -hmm. was just so surreal. And it was Ozzy, myself, and a bunch of gays. And I I have reason to think that Ozzy had never experienced a group of gay men watching Survivor together. And I think he really enjoyed it. We were a vocal bunch. And a good episode for a bunch of gays to watch with Ozzy. Absolutely. Because it was was the Carolyn Slapstick Comedy Hour. Indeed. Um, And I do just have to say, I was thinking about it this morning, no disrespect to any of our faves, but I do, I will declare in this moment, Ozzy is my favorite Survivor player of all time, period. Um, I love my girl Parvati. I love my girl Courtney. I love my girl Kathy. Um, But Ozzy is my favorite of all time. And yeah, there's bias like from my just obsession with him. Um, But yeah, I'm still sort of like vibrating a little bit just in just the, there were moments I would look up at the screen and there's Jeff and then I look to my right and there's Ozzy and I was like, I don't know, there's just this bleeding over between, I guess not not fiction and and real life because Survivor is real, you know what I mean? But like, it was just like, it's just crazy how- Is the word vibrating or is it throbbing? I think there was vibration that led to throbbing. Um, (laughs) um, But I am super keen to have Ozzy back on the show soon. And Ozzy, uh, fun fact, has not watched The Traders because we Mm. were all encouraging him to go on The Traders season two. He mentioned that he had been approached uh, to go on the challenge in the past, but that they sort of stopped following up in their emails. He thinks it's because of the OnlyFans of it all, because for people that don't know, Ozzy is uh, now on OnlyFans uh, producing sex work. But I will say, at least, again, I'm not a casting director. I feel like in 2023, having an OnlyFans is not a, I mean, and maybe maybe I just don't know how things work, but I wouldn't think that would be a hindrance 
towards casting a person. Yeah, I would hope not. Also, I think it's for the best. I don't think he wants to go on the challenge. No, but I do think he would be fabulous on The Traitors. Um, yeah. Because, and Ozzy knows this, and, and we all know this, like he would have a really difficult time coming back to Survivor, standing a chance. It's exactly mm-hmm. the same thing that happened to like Boston Rob and Parvati when they've gone back. They're just like, when you're an icon, it's very hard to find footing in the game um, on a returning player season. And so I feel like The Traitors is something in which he would be able to be amongst other icons and he wouldn't be such an easy target. And I think he would excel at it because it's a little, there's more ways to play the game than in Survivor. Yeah, it's a little bit more relationship-based. I mean, the mm-hmm. challenges would be a breeze for him. I wouldn't want to see him be a traitor, though. I would no, want to see yeah. him be a faithful. He's got to be a faithful. And just side note for anyone wondering, like, Ozzy looks so good in person. And, I mean, this probably comes as no surprise, but, like, it's just crazy. He's 41 years old. He's so young, and yet I feel like he's been a part of our lives you know, forever. He feels very much OG Survivor. Mm-hmm. But I felt this way about Parvati, too, where it's like, and I feel this way about Sarah Michelle Geller, where it's like, you see them in person, you know, in some instances, decades later, and all three of them are just ageless icons. And it's not to say aging is a bad thing. Everyone is allowed to age. We all do. But these three, um, whatever... They're drinking, I I, I want to sip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you hung out with Parvati last week. You hung out with Ozzy this week. Who are you hanging out with next week? That's a good question. I don't know where we go from here. Who, you I mean... Know, you know what's bothering me? Tell me. That, well, one, that you get to meet all these people. That's bothering me. Um, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you've met a few people of note in the Survivorverse. Who? You've met like uh, you've you've partied with the players from the forty pluses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, I was teeing you up for that. Like I was trying to give you a little something. I think, like, I'm trying to think of who I've met from Survivor that was iconic. I don't think I have met an icon. You don't think you've met an icon, like in person? In person, in person. Okay, but this is what's bothering me. This was my whole point. Is that. I, so I would love to meet Parvati. I feel like one day I will. Um, and that's fine. You know who I really, really want to meet? And I'm just pissed off because I went to this... It's not stupid. I went to this premiere party for Survivor 44 in Toronto. It was a Bryce and Wendell event. A lot of new school players. Oldest school... I mean, I talked about this. The oldest school I met was Jatia, who was obviously iconic. Um, but not iconic to me necessarily. Meanwhile, there's this event going on in New York City, and you weren't in the city at the time. There was a premiere party that Johnny Fairplay was hosting with Sandra D.S. Twine, who drags Courtney Yates out, who doesn't watch Survivor, drags Courtney Yates out to this party. And I'm like, that's the party I should have been at. Yeah. Courtney Yates. So that's what's bothering me is like, I go to New York frequently, like a couple times a year. Courtney lives in New York. Why am I not hanging out with Courtney? Okay, well, I think we can make that happen the next time you come. I would like you to come to New York more frequently. Mm -hmm. But let's put this out there right now. You know, season 45 is coming up. It's airing in the Mm -hmm. fall, correct? In the fall. Why don't we do an in-person premiere party? I feel like we can really get some legends in the lineup. Let's do this like let's i i parvati and i were talking about doing something for the together in new york for the 44 finale but that feels like very soon um don't do that because i'm not gonna i'm gonna be in another continent 
Okay, so maybe we hold off for the 45 <laughs> premiere, but I feel like we could get Parvati and Ozzy. We'll fly them out with what budget we do not yet know. But then, you know, we've got Courtney in town. Um, and there are some other locals like uh, Josh Canfield, uh, you know, yeah. for instance. Uh, Josh Canfield town. is up to stuff. He is. I actually was going to say to you offline, but who cares? It's on. But like, I want to have him on soon um, to talk Survivor, but also talk for those that don't know. He is a part of this upcoming docuseries that's coming out about Hillsong Church. Um, and I was going to say fun fact. I don't know how fun it is, but he was a music director, I believe, at Hillsong for a period of time. And he's now a part of this documentary speaking out against Hillsong. And for those that don't know, Hillsong is a infamously anti-LGBTQ plus church that a lot of celebrities are tangentially associated with. Um, and Josh was amongst those. Uh, but he is no longer a part of it and is now speaking out. So I think it would be fun to chat with him both about Survivor and about his experience with Hillsong. Okay, so we're having a Survivor 45 premiere party. Mark it yeah, in your that's calendars. The and it's going to be packed with legends, apparently. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> Nobody from season 40 and up. I mean, season 41. Lots from season 40, I hope. Yeah, no. We'll, oh, I mean, I think we'll. I think we can have quite a few from 40. Um, we're going to really keep our focus towards 1 through 15. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Me and Courtney have a good relationship, though. We talk about Taylor Swift quite frequently. She's a big Swifty. She offered to send me a phone, (laughs) one of her used phone cases, which her husband made for her, which was the cover of Evermore as the back of her phone. And she was like, well, I don't have this one anymore. What phone do you have? I'll send it to you in the mail. I was like, I got, I have a case. I'm okay, but thank you. It's very sweet of her. Are you a Swifty? I mean, I knew that that was- Oh, babe, I am a Swifty. We've never had this conversation, Sean. We've never, I've never even heard you mention it. We literally it. have. Okay. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> because you were on Drew Barrymore's podcast and you asked her about Midnight's because it had just come out or the Eras tour had uh, the drama around the sale of that. And so that came up as a hot topic. And I texted you and I was like, oh, you, what do you think of Midnight's? And you said, no thoughts. So. Oh, this all, this all computes. <laughs> Um, but wait, I do want to say briefly. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, please. I'm done. No, I was going to say briefly. I feel like Courtney is really significant for you because she was our second interview on Drop Your Buffs. But I feel like Ozzy was more us like dipping our toe mm-hmm. into like how this would all be. And I feel like Courtney was your first time becoming friends with someone that you'd formerly idolized. And it's mm-hmm. like now here you are and like you have a full blown rapport. And I mean, you have that now with Parvati and so many other players at this point. But I feel like Courtney was like the gateway. Totally. And Ozzy, I mean, I was very nervous because I had never interviewed somebody. And so I was nervous for that reason. Courtney, I was nervous because she is iconic to me and like key in my, you know, gay upbringing if you will. So uh, she, yeah, she is always going to be up there, if not number one, number two or three in my Survivor players. So love Courtney. You'll see her at the premiere for 45. She doesn't know it yet, but she will. She looks incredible. Did you see these photos? Listen, uh, it goes back to the Ozzy Parvati thing from earlier. It's like some of these players, now the same cannot be said for all. I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, but for many, many of them really do look great. You know who also looks so great? Sophie. Oh, Sophie looks incredible. We should have Sophie on again. I concur. 
I was so gonna. I was, was just gonna interview. say we should have Ozzy and Courtney. I think we should have all of the former guests come back on the show. I on also a, would be interested. Table. Exactly. I was gonna say some more like cross pollination. I feel like we need to exert our power. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Any other gossip? We almost need a Survivor News Roundup segment on Drop Your Buffs as part of the recaps. The only other thing I would say, like with regard to the news of it all, is just, and I've said this in a few weeks ago, I think, but like the girls are talking about 44. Like there is a lot of conversation. I feel like Carolyn's meme presence has transcended the survivor verse. People that just like follow reality television personalities are getting Mm -hmm. hip to Carolyn. I'm just seeing a lot of conversation about 44 that I wasn't seeing for 41, 42 or 43. And that is exciting. I feel like survivors trending in the way that I thought it was going to trend with 41. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really hit gold with Carolyn, I'll say. And the dynamic of Carolyn and Jam Jam, I think, is really helpful. That that's getting messy is exactly what they need. And the fact that in this episode, they were saved from having to go to tribal council and potentially one of them going home was really the stars aligning. Absolutely, because there was... But part of me was like, and I asked Ozzy this during the episode because I was like, there's no way that Survivor can let either of these two characters go. I was like, is there any world in which, because, you know, you and I talk about, like, do mm-hmm. the producers ever intervene? And, and we've seen instances this season in which it's less them intervening, but more them interfering, we should say. Um, but I was like, is there ever a world in which, because Survivor this season would fall off a cliff if Carolyn had been eliminated last mm-hmm. night. Um and they know that, I imagine. They don't They don't want to see her go, despite the fact that I know that they, like, are agnostic when it comes to, like, their feelings on things. But, like, I don't think, you know, they have to, there is some horse in the race here. So, yes, it does seem like good fortune happened. But I was curious to, like, know, Ozzy says nothing would have happened, that the producers would not have intervened, which I believe. But, yeah, I guess it's, like, this is by far the best case scenario. But, like, I just can't imagine a world in which Carolyn or Jam Jam went home. Yeah, it would have been really bad news for the season. And I wonder almost, not that they would intervene, but certainly there are leading questions sometimes in confessionals. I think I think that's as far as it gets in terms of producer intervention, besides just handing out idols to people. But I do think that in confessionals, they could sort of lead people to think a certain way, to be like, now let's really think about this. You don't even know Josh. He just came over. He's claiming he's got an idol. He already played an idol last night. Is this really somebody that you want to work with? Um, I do think that they could use their powers of persuasion in interviews to really get people to think critically about this. And who knows, they could even be like, okay, so let's talk about the number of women who have gone home. Let's talk about the queer representation on the show. Let's talk about, you know, there are ways they could push buttons here. Absolutely. I do want to mention while we're on the topic of Carolyn and Jam Jam, that conversation between Jam Jam and Josh. Mm -hmm. Do I have his name right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at me. Um, I thought that that was a really moving conversation. It reminded me how there was that scene in 42 between High and Romeo, yeah. which I think was one of the first, one of the, actually, no, the first would probably be Zeke and that guy. Right. Brett having a conversation, two queer people in the game talking about their queerness outside of the game. So that's probably the first that I can think of. But I feel like that high Romeo moment from 42 attempted to be what this moment from last night was, which was this really powerful moment that didn't feel like... Sometimes you have these moments and they're very ham-fisted. And this just felt very organic and real. And 
I'm glad that they like didn't finish the conversation with like a big hug or anything mm -hmm. because it wasn't sort of like a hallmarky moment. It was just one of those moments where you're sitting around talking about your past experiences and it felt very organic for Josh to chime in and be like after Jam Jam shared his experience um, for Josh to then share his. And I, I thought the conversation was interesting in that it wasn't it wasn't them relating to one another explicitly in the conversation. And yet it was that unspoken thing of like, oh, you've experienced adversity due to your queerness and I have as well. And though our stories are not the same, they are, they can join in this conversation. Like they connect really easily in this moment, but th they didn't feel the need to like draw out the connection. And I just thought it was a really powerful moment. Yeah, I'll tell you what I liked about it, because I think that Survivor loves to go for the lowest common denominator when it comes to queer conversations, and that is coming out stories. And yes, yes we got those. But I think particularly Jam Jam's story was so much more interesting than that, because it had to do with self-image and self-confidence and not feeling like he is conventionally attractive in the queer community and how that held him back from sort of like finding love and being able to express himself to his family. And I thought that's a, that's actually a unique story because coming out stories, yes, they're great. We all have them, but you know, they're a dime a dozen. This was a unique story that told me something more that deepened my understanding of who Jam Jam is as a person. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, and not that it would have taken anything away had he cried during it, but I did find it extra powerful how he was sharing something. It wasn't. It didn't seem like it was difficult for him to share this. It seemed like something that he had was either reconciling or had reconciled. But I just I appreciated the way he told the story as not a sob story. He uh, situated it in a way to say that like I have found my power, and mm -hmm. I feel like uh, we don't often get that story. And I couldn't help but think about the people. You know, there's a large swath of this audience, as we know, that are. Trump supporters or anti-LGBTQ or what have you. And I thought this was just a really, these were two really endearing people having a really frank conversation about identity that's wrapped up in queerness, but it wasn't a conversation about queerness in the way that I've seen it depicted before. I thought it was really captivating. Yeah, it was great. And I have to talk about Jam Jam and Carolyn because Carolyn is also queer, hasn't been brought up on the show, but... You know, we've talked about that Tika is the first all queer tribe in Survivor history. So would have been <laughs> it would have been at once incredible to watch that go down at Tribal Council. But also, I am happy that you know Jeff had his biggest ally moment of all of Survivor when he came in and like saved all the queers from going to Tribal. That was great <laughs> for Jeff. Great moment for Jeff. Like put him on the float. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but. But I want to talk about the fallout between Jam Jam and Carolyn after the Sarah vote, because again, I just thought it's so organic how it's happening. And I feel like we haven't had this kind of human drama in a long time that's nuanced and complicated. And we don't like we haven't landed anywhere with it. And it's a great example of one of those sort of feuds where it's like, I could I could pick a side and you could pick the other side and we could both have valid points. Like I think it's it's a complicated relationship they have and neither of them are in the wrong. And in this context of the game, there's really no right or wrong for them. I feel like should one of them choose to move forward with Josh or should they move forward together? Um, I feel like all of the options are as good as each other more or less. And so I like the 
the sort of way that it was presented in that it was very nuanced and we as an audience weren't being told what to think about totally. a specific character in the fight. Yeah, and to that point, you kind of still come away from it. Not like there's a degree of loyalty between them, right? Like there mm-hmm. is this thing where you have to imagine, or not you, I was led to the conclusion that Josh would have been the one going home had they gone to tribal. At the same time, though, and you get this articulated by both Jam Jam and Carolyn, it's that idea of, like, I trust this person to an extent while also recognizing that I can't trust this person. And in the case of Jam Jam, he has reason not to trust Carolyn. And then I loved her confessional where I thought she was going to be, like, because she had that scene where she goes over to him and she's, like, being super Carolyn and, like, look me in the eye. Like, I, you can mm-hmm. trust me. And then you thought it was going to be, or rather, I thought it was going to be the confessional saying just that. Where, like, I know I betrayed him, but, like, I am fully locked in. And yet she's still in the confessional scheming and saying, listen, I'm paying him the lip service that's necessary in this situation. But I still don't know where my loyalties lie. So I, yeah. I just think it's, like, for it being only three people, which should be the most cut and dry, boring dynamic... It's incredible that this tribe has managed to just suck up in the best way possible so much of the air from this season. Yeah, and I feel like Jam Jam and Carolyn also are just both such excellent storytellers and yeah. you have just great iconic lines from them. I love Jam Jam saying that he was like, I couldn't even understand all of what he said, but something about um, feeling like Roger Rabbit with his jaw on yep. the floor. Like Jam Jam's thrown out some good references this season. Absolutely. Like Roger, Roger Rabbit is not a reference you hear very often and so for jam jam to throw that out i liked that and then carolyn with the title of the episode saying she felt like the third turd in the alliance like that's a great turn of phrase totally and also another great jam jam moment was when he discovers josh's fake idol and has that confessional where he's laughing and it's just like you don't get a lot of those off the wall moments in confessional, which is again, we sort of, this season started off with one of those with Carolyn. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've gotten like confessionals that just feel a little less architected than these past couple seasons that are like really fun to watch and seem to be the players like actually thinking through real thoughts and not just being like, here's the confessional where I'm going to tell you this information. They're very much like working confessionals a la the early days of the show. Yeah, I have to tell you, the Jam Jam confessional where he's laughing about Josh's fake idol, I think that that whole sort of segment is the first and so far only truly iconic funny moment from New Era Survivor. I don't know that I've seen a better segment than that because... It was so that we were in on it, that we're watching them, that they, that Josh is trying to do this big power move and he's and he's he's working with what he's got, but yeah. that they're just gonna call this out after all of this bead drama that we've had to endure over the past few seasons. And then that they just laugh it off basically, and they're like, This guy's an idiot. And then that you get that Jam Jam confessional, which I was just talking about this a few episodes ago, that this was an on-the-fly confessional that we used to see in season one, where it's just happening at the camp, the camera's standing in front of him, he's standing, it's not some stage, there's leaves in front of his face, Yeah, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a very specific focal length, so everything else is blurred. Like, it's not a typical confessional. He's reacting to something in real time at camp, and that's what I said that I loved so much about season one that it that brings that 
classic reality TV feel to it that we are in the midst of the action. And it's also just the, all of the delivery I thought was so funny. I loved it. Totally. And it's fun because it's the two people that many viewers are rooting for mm-hmm. having a moment where they come together. I mean, it's not that Josh is like the bad guy here, but it's no. this mo- it's like the best case scenario and like the two people that you want to stay around collectively understanding this thing that is going to impact their life in the game. So, yeah, uh, I would I, I don't disagree with you. That is definitely an iconic moment. I would put into the canon as well the moment with Carolyn uh, with the two guys um, when they're having their uh, bro out moment and just the camera work. I mean, it worked out so well from like a cinematography standpoint where you have Carolyn in the middle. And then at first I was like, oh, She's making these faces, but like they're 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 um you know Frankensteining this together. But then they like pulled out and did the wide shot and just like the stance of those men, their overbearing presence. It was such a metaphor for the game of Survivor in so many ways, and it only made me want to root and love Carolyn more. And uh, but that scene, that entire scene, was just so, so fun to watch. Yeah, totally. I mean, she's so, not overdoing it. Yeah, I mean we we're. We're nitpicking over which scene is the most iconic funny scene, and they're both happening in the same episode. So that's that's good news. And not for nothing, we're not even getting yet to the Franny Matt Mm -hmm, hug, mm -hmm. um, (laughs) which is like, that's its own moment worth talking about. Um, This episode, the fact that we got Matthew leaving the game and like we're, what, 25 minutes into this podcast and haven't even mentioned his name um, is really speaks to the fact that there's just there's so much going on, and I actually think one of the great things about this episode was not having that tribal council, allowing us yeah. to have more time with yeah. these players um, because we want it. We want to get to know these people, so we invest in them, and I feel quite invested at this point. Yeah, and you know what it tells me? Maybe we need some filler episodes of Survivor. Yeah. Maybe we need some episodes in between tribals. Maybe we need some non-tribal. Like, I I realize that sounds like a crazy idea and that CBS would probably balk at that. But look at all of the joy and look at all of the content we have to talk about with this episode with no tribal council. And yes, it requires a certain kind of cast to pull that off. But just getting to know these people and getting to know the dynamics are so, so important to now that I feel invested in these people. And first of all, I'm shocked that the next episode is the merge or the mergatory. Okay, mm-hmm. How did that happen? But, um, you know, going into it and going into the rest of the season, I actually feel invested in these people. Right. Are you shocked because you feel like it's coming earlier than it should? It feels early. So here's my question then. Again, not trying to be conspiracy theorists, but is there a world in which, again, the show would likely be invested in saving Carolyn and Jam Jam, and the best bet they would have to make that happen is to present a merge? And again, Uh, there has to be a lot of on-the-fly stuff happening this season because of what happened with Bruce and now what happened with Matthew, where like there's got to be some level of ingenuity. Ingenuity? Ingenuity? Ingenuity. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. There's got to be some level of that um, when it comes to functioning because there are all these variables. Because um, there's a world in which they would have still gone to tribal last night despite Matthew um, being medevaced. And I wonder, had Bruce not been medevaced in episode one, would they have been more keen to say, okay, we can still move ahead with the tribal? So this is happening at the right time that there's six people have left which means there's 12 left, which is a typical 
right. merge number. So it is happening at the right time. I think it feels early probably because of the Bruce medevac and then them still voting somebody out. So we have right. lost six people. Um, it just feels sudden to me. The other thing is that, yes, as iconic as this episode might have been and this season is turning out to be, despite despite all of the insane amount of advantages, et cetera, et cetera, is that it now has the distinction because of these two medevacs that it is the first survivor season where no men are voted out pre-merge. Incredible. <laughs> so there's something. More of that. <laughs> we did lose two men, but they were never voted out. So that's, mm. and I was worried. Like I was really worried thinking, well, one, if we lose Carolyn at Tribal Council, it's it's awful, right, for the show because she's such uh, an important character to the season. But also because we would have five women voted out in a row. Yes, and mind you, the other the remaining women are much more minor characters um, this season in terms of the mm-hmm. amount of time that we've spent with them so far. So in addition to losing so many women, yeah, it would it would, it would not fare well for us. We still. Um, Pittsburgh Heidi was pretty purpled this episode. Mm-hmm. And then our Lauren yoga. Lauren hasn't had a confessional in like three episodes. Yeah. And then our only other lady left is the yoga. Well, there's Jamie and then Franny. Ja- oh, sorry. And Franny. Uh, Jamie. Jamie is interesting to me. She's, uh-huh. she's, she's, uh, she's charting right now. I feel like there's, <laughs> there's a heartbeat here. <laughs> Yeah, she is. Let's talk about that tribe for a second because we spent a lot of time on Tika. The Soka tribe, with Jamie having just arrived there, it's really funny to watch her trying to integrate into this because I think I thought she knew what was going on. And she's got this idol and she's got this fake idol that she doesn't know is fake. She's got like a good energy about her. And I feel like in a season that Carolyn wasn't in, she would be the kooky person. And she's here trying to like work Matt and be like, I'm going to give you some info about, you know, my original tribe and you should like really work with me. And he's not having it. And so I love that she's misread the whole dynamic of this tribe so much that she goes to Franny and is like, this Matt guy's got to go. And good for Franny for like offering, because at first I thought Franny was going to make it kind of obvious by just sort of like nodding her head. But Franny, Mm -hmm. to her credit, was like also offering some information, a little bit, not too much, but but that would make, if I were, what's the yoga lady's name? Jamie. Jamie. I'm going to remember that right now. My my mnemonic device is going to be Jamie from the real world New Orleans. Um, Anyway, when uh, Jamie's having that conversation with Franny, I felt like if I were Jamie, now granted, I don't think Jamie's playing with like the, you know, the fullest of decks, but I I still would be like, okay, I think Franny, we're aligned in terms of this feeling about Matt. Yeah. Can we talk about Franny and Matt? Because the relationship is blossoming. They've moved, they've, they've, they're getting closer to first base. Totally. And you know what's fun about this? They're in past iterations of this type of narrative which we've seen before on on reality shows in general, you would think that the plot would be that they have this friendship going. One of them thinks it's romantic, and the mm-hmm. other one, it's strictly game. What's so sweet about this, besides the fact that they both just are incredibly endearing characters, is that you get the impression that they're both revealing in the confessional that they secretly have romantic feelings for the other one, 
And it's like, but they haven't had that moment where like mm. they've come together and been like, this isn't just game and this isn't just friendship. So it's just, it's even made the already, the cuteness is already overloaded. And then it's made even cuter by the fact that they don't seem to know that the other one is into them the way that they're into the other one. Yeah. And you had this great breaking of the fourth wall sort of moment where you have a producer in the confessional saying to Franny, are you blushing? Which I liked. I like that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like a little bit of a callback to that producer moment with Carolyn that opened the season. So um, I, I enjoy that. Now, the hug. The hug heard around the world. That was a long hug. It was a long hug. It was the kind of hug where you breathe during the hug. <laughs> like, honestly. Do you typically hold breath during a hug. Yeah, I guess you do. Well, like, you're just not, like, actively letting out a... I think there's something to be said about, like, coming together, pressing bodies together, and then mm-hmm. having a deep breath. Like, that is a very intimate. Like, honestly, my takeaway when they pulled apart was, like, they just had sex. Yeah. It, it was, was, like, non-penetrative there. sex. Yeah. And it, it felt gratifying. Intimate. Like, they... There was a, a satisfaction to the two of them. It was very post-coital. That was, like... It felt like the relationship had moved to a new place after that yeah. hug. You can call it a hug, but that was more than a hug. Now, they're planning on going for Ethiopian food when they get back. And are they, remind me, Franny lives in Brooklyn? No idea. Okay. I yeah. You know what? I've got the cast list up. Uh, we need cameras up for this Ethiopian dinner. I feel like that would be something I would be really invested in. I got to say, too. Franny? Wow. So, so, so Franny is from Cambridge, Massachusetts. And Matt is from San Francisco. This tracks. Um, okay, well, I think we could potentially do a spinoff show about them. But what I was going to say is, in more ways than one, season 44 is begging for a reunion. Totally. It's like, we need to catch up with both of our medevacs. We have a romance. We have Carolyn. We have Carolyn and Jam Jam. Like, we have catching up with Cli- all of the women who have subsequently become icons after going to Ponderosa. It's like, we need check-ins with all of our girlies. Like, there's so much to cover. You know what the problem is? What? That Survivor 45 is going to be filming while 44 ends. Okay, so get Brian Gumbel on the, on the phone. Get Rosie O'Donnell get Rosie on the O'Donnell. phone. Sorry. Yes. I'm tempted because you know, like Rosie answers messages sometimes. It's like, oh yeah, we should just message her and just be like, well, one, is she watching Survivor Forty Four? The answer would be, you no. have messaged, you have messaged her. Do you yeah, watch yeah. Survivor? She said okay. no. She said no. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna message her right now and just be like, Rosie, we need you to host the Survivor Forty Four reunion because then maybe she'd respond and say, I'm down, and then we could post that and like shove it in CBS's face. <laughs> she's Rosie, gonna post. She's gonna reply no. Please host. And also, it, it's, it, it'd be 40 seasons later because she hosted the season four reunion. Oh, my God. It's kind of very synergistic. Rosie, please host the Survivor. How do you spell Survivor? Survivor 44 reunion. Ho- hope you're well, XO. Hope you're well. Hope okay. you're well, XO. Is it? Yeah, I like an XO. Okay. <laughs> Done. We will circle back, as they say. 
She'll probably respond. Where did wh- which platform did you message her on? I'm using IG. That's but we've actually we've had yeah. we've had I know TW moments as well. I know I've had I've had moments with her. I know you have. You've uh, you fucking had her. Wasn't she watching one of the Deja the View live episodes? Rosie was not only watching, but she was playing the games. In yeah, the that's so iconic. <laughs> I know it was truly like I was gagged. That was my that was a Courtney Yates moment. Actually, that was bigger than a Courtney Yates moment because Rosie O'Donnell truly raised me. Yeah. I was raised on the Rosie O'Donnell show. Before you were okay, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> what do you see for Franny and Matt? Do you see a future for them? And do think, you think that Ethiopian is the best first date? So it's not really a first date when you've had like it. I, it it's like their first True. formal time. It's it's a very unique True. circumstance. True. So from a are we going to have sex standpoint, probably not the best option. Although the mechanics of heterosexual sex make it that, like, I don't think it matters as much. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I think Ethiopian could be delightful. And then with regards to your first question. <laughs> the um, good thing about Ethiopian is that, like, because usually you're sharing a plate, it's a big plate, mm-hmm. and you've got that nice, um, I don't even, I don't know what it's called, that nice spongy sort of bread base right mm-hmm. that you pick the is because because you're eating with your hands and you're taking from the same plate you have the opportunity to like graze fingers you know or like oh oh like you could put a bite in the other person's mouth so it That's gets romantic. a little intimate so okay and then, I'm, I'm down now yeah no i mean but again we need cameras up um mm-hmm. to your question of like do i think there's long game here i think it is too early to tell what i'm curious about moving forward into the merge is how much of an effort they are going to make to hide their relationship and Mm. are any of their current tribe mates going to use their relationship as leverage in ingratiating themselves with the other tribes by basically putting a target on the two of them as opposed to, you know, on on themselves. I do think it's like if if I were in this game right now uh, as one of the other people on that tribe, I would want to be, I'd want a third wheel with them versus putting a target on them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the easier strategy is to put the target on them. But I think that if you've got two votes, it's like move forward as a three. I would ride that wave for as long as I could. Well, and maybe what they need to be doing is pulling Jamie in because they seem to be at this point plotting against Jamie, but now that we're moving into a merge situation, Matthew's gone, who was Jamie's plant daddy. Now I feel like Jamie's a little bit more of a free agent. They know they'll probably find out shortly that she has an idol. Oh, but it expires at merge. But she thinks she has another idol. The problem with this is Jamie has a fake idol she thinks is real. Matt has a fake idol she thinks is real, both from the bird cages from their respective original tribes. And so that could be a big problem for Matt and Franny. One thing that I think could make this like a, a somewhat of a likelihood is this idea that Jamie's like feelings about Matt, I think are born out of just like, she needs to pick someone to be her mm-hmm. target. I don't think it's truly that she has anything against Matt. It's sort of like, there are four people in this tribe. It seems like she wants to work with Franny. So she's throwing out a name. So I could see them course correcting this relationship very easily well no but what happened was jamie was trying to get matt jamie wanted to work with matt and matt was not interested which is why she went to franny and was like i don't like this matt guy 
So I feel like Matt fumbled the ball on this one a little bit because if somebody's yeah. coming to you and it's Man. like, hey, I like you and I want to give you information, don't brush them off. Like, right. you just always agree, 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 agree. Who cares? So I feel like Matt, yeah, it's a good thing he's got Franny. Uh, what about Danny? I, I do want to talk about Danny a little bit because we got a little bit of his backstory. Um, Danny's interesting because he, he's at once this bro figure that we see with Brandon sort of like talking, having this very Jonathan and Mike in Survivor 42 conversation about how, how strong men need to stick together because they don't do well in this game. Wait, and then wait. meanwhile, he's like, we're just a bunch of silly gooses on this tribe and we're like meditating and I'm going to like do my breath work and all of this. There's sort of like two versions of Danny. Uh -huh. I feel like. But I do got to give it up to that conversation because I saw so many people on Twitter trying to be like these dingbats, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's so it's camp, right? Like it's so obvious. <laughs> not, not that they're not, they are not performing camp. We are picking yeah. up camp, but like, it's funny that it's like, the, and, and I'm not saying anything. I, I understand the inclination to be like, this is factually, like, let me show you all the players that have in fact done well <laughs> as this archetype. It's like, there are so many examples. It is the overwhelming example that they are so in outer space with this thought process that you can't help but enjoy it. It's sort of exactly what we were, what we were talking about with the Ariana DeBose of it all, where it's like, it just everything gets subverted now where like the unmother becomes mother. That is this where I was like, I love these men for just standing their ground and being like strong men never win this game. And it's like, yes, yes. Say that. Yeah. People like us. And then I love that Carolyn people interrupts like and goes, what do you mean? People like people us. Like you. <laughs> people like us. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they were so clueless. First of all, like to back up a little bit, Using Advantage Island in this way, I was truly gagged because I couldn't believe when Jeff said, oh, also there's going to be a journey this episode. And I was like, not another one. Like, right. how? And then if they get there and it's like, you guys just chill. Have fun. I loved that. I love that as a concept. I think that's what we should be doing with Advantage Island. Maybe in like these little picnics or whatever, like you can, and it's a great way to combine reward and immunity, right? Like, yeah, you want to give out tarps and stuff, but it's nice to see people eat and have fun and just like chit chat. And maybe you like every now and then hide an idol or an advantage in the food or like at that hut that they visit. I also love it because it forces them when when there is no like twist or like layer to it all, they then have to go back and tell the truth, but uh -huh. it seems like a lie because I, I like this. This is almost like we were talking last week about like this idea of like the fake idols and how that like fucks things up. This is a better version of fake idols where it's like they're forced to seem as to tell a truth, but because it's never been done before in the game, it seems so unlikely, but it is their truth. And that that creates a fun uh, dynamic to me. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing you could use to like, so look at Josh. He makes this fake idol. Nobody believes it's real. What if, you know, Carolyn had a, made a fake idol? Apparently, they're very easy to make. Yeah. You make it, come back from Advantage Island, be like, I got an idol. And you could use that to your advantage, to especially in a three-person tribe, to say, like, don't vote for me. I'm playing this idol tonight. Totally. And so, like, that's a potential cover story for future seasons if they keep this up. How gratifying to finally see people, like, call out fake idols. There's just been this, like, feeling mm -hmm. that we've seen for all this time where it's like, when someone presents beads, it's like, oh, you've got an idol. And finally, it was so nice for them to immediately not only pick up on it, but, like, call it out. Now, there is a world in which they didn't let him know that they knew it was fake. 
but I think it was yes. actually in the end better television, especially because as we said, we had that great Jam Jam confessional. I actually thought this, because of the dynamism of this cast, like, and this speaks to how good this cast is, where it's like the like the the not so good scenario like actually worked. Similarly to at first, I was like, wow, what a weird decision to like not show Matthew's medevac moment. Like that's typically mm-hmm. something they would want, but there was so much else going on, and I love that the editors or producers or, or whoever was like, actually, we can get a stronger moment about delivering the news to this tribe versus showing Matthew. Which, if I were Matthew, I'd be a little bit like he kind of definitely like. <laughs> be devastating. Yeah, he definitely got the short straw here where like, talk about unceremonious exit. Um, But I think all that is because I I imagine Matthew will will be coming back to the game at some point. Um, But yeah, I, I, I definitely like that this whole season so far has kind of been like, even when they do the seemingly obvious thing or make the air quotes bad move, it still kind of works out from the entertainment perspective. Yeah, totally. I want to jump back to the Advantage Island again because there's something else I just thought of, which is that in their broing out moment when Danny is talking to Brandon, he's like, I want to, uh, let me get, get a tour of your tattoos. And they're going through the tattoos and Carolyn's sitting there. Carolyn is covered in tattoos. Like, it's not like, like, this is like maybe the one thing they talk about that she could be involved in and nothing, 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 nothing. And I just feel like Carolyn's whole performance during this entire thing where she's literally like, like just acting 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 like bites into an orange it looks like peel and all and then spits it out like it was so incredible just love it uh do we should we talk about ratu at all because there's not a whole lot going over there going on over there but i think that with matthew leaving because of his injury it sets up a really unknown dynamic unknown partially because we have no idea what people think about brandon anymore like we knew you know obviously he was the target of the first vote he saved himself uh, but we don't really know how he's managed to reintegrate himself into the tribe we haven't heard a peep from lauren so we have no idea what she's thinking all we know is that now kane and carson have bonded over like pokemon and jedi uh, so there's a bit of like a, a nerd herd. Do you remember the nerd herd in BB6? No. It was the alternate name for the friendship. Wait, but like you don't even watch Maggie. Big Brother. I watched it then. Oh, okay. It was one of my favorite wait. seasons of TV. That's like wait, the Janelle wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, I have seen it not that long ago. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Yeah, because Billy and I rewatched it. Um, wait, wait, wait. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. So there was the, there was, there was the, Alliance of like, oh, that was actually Jedi's too. Wait, there wait, was wait. Jedi's in that. It was like Jedi Janie and uh, you know. So, <laughs> so you had the the cool group, which was like Janelle and Kaser, and that guy's. Okay, wait, where did everything. Yvette? Because that's she's like the Yvette character. was in the friendship. Okay, yeah, I don't remember the nerd herd, but I did just watch. But no, season. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. No, 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 you're you're misunderstanding. Yvette, Maggie, April. They were the friendship. And Bo was in the friendship as well. I remember Bo. And so they were all in the friendship. That was the alliance that they called themselves. But what the opposing alliance called them was the nerd herd. Just to bully them. Even though they were the cool people. No. (laughs) Yvette was not the cool people. I see. Yvette was being called the nerd herd. I see. Although Yvette was the coolest ultimate. Uh, Yvette, like, overcame 
the friendship, I think, in later years. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> okay. Definitely don't think I remember this. Um, I was. That was a season, uh, that's the only season, actually, where uh, when that season aired, it was the first season of Big Brother US I watched. I did go back and watch the previous ones after that, but it was the first one I watched live, and I had no job that summer. I was in university, and I sat there and watched the live feeds 12 hours a day. Like I was, I was living in that house. It was sad, really. But there was so much explosive shit that happened that summer that I was just like eating it up. <laughs> so there's a confession. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So so I feel like there's a nerd herd forming over here with uh, Carson and Kane. Although I'm not feeling like Carson is necessarily picking up what Kane's putting down here. Mm-hmm. Um. Because he didn't actually answer any of his nerdy questions. Like, what's your favorite type of Pokemon? Are you into Pokemon at all? Um, I know about Jigglypuff. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> you strike me as a Nintendo kind of guy. I've never, never. I oh, had wow. a Sega Saturn growing up, but I didn't really play it. I, the only game uh, that I knew was when they when the people would... Uh, Mortal Kombat. But yeah, I didn't I like Mortal it because it was too violent. Oh, I see. Okay. No, I was more... I was, like, very much a roller coaster tycoon kid. That was, like, my mm. one... Yeah. I feel like Billy's into Nintendo. Billy is into... He has the Switch. That's his thing. That's Nintendo. Oh, okay. Yes. Then he is into Nintendo. <laughs> I also think Billy likes Pokemon as well. It's just not... Yeah, it's but I'm so honestly true. like, I have no negative feelings about it. It's no, just no, a world no. I don't know about. I know, I know. It's a world I'm just starting to get into. No thoughts, just vibes. I didn't know there was types of Pokemon, so I had to like ask a friend. I was like, what, what do you mean types? And he's like, well, there's ice or poison. or It's all news to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, anything else to say about this episode? No, I mean, I feel like uh, because we didn't have a tribal, it's just, it's like, I was trying to remember where we ended the episode. So we ended with Jeff coming there. Jeff delivering was the chaotic. Jeff was chaotic on that camp, I felt like. If there yeah. was one thing that pulled down the episode a little, it was Jeff's really chaotic energy telling them that they didn't have to go to tribal. Right. I also was reminded of the fact that and this is always true, but like the that if you're a contestant on the show, you only ever see Jeff very for these unless you go to tribal. Your like your interactions with him are solely at the challenges, which you're typically not interacting with him much. Um, so it just must be so odd to have this moment. Also, he was so close to them. There's this distance at tribal, right? It's like very regimented how it all plays out, and it's like he comes to the island. He he's down on one knee. Um, mm-hmm. Now, was that sun, was that dusk or dawn? That was dusk. So this was, so basically they were awaiting tribal council. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I do think that like this could have been a little bit more goopy, where it's like, I think that they could have gone to tribal, done the whole, like done the votes and everything, and then been like, nothing's happening. But the risk with mm. that is that someone would use their advantage, and then that would be like, they'd have to give it back. Um but I do think that. Oh, would you be mean like, like they cast their votes and they read the votes? No, they just cast their votes. Oh, I see. So they would cast their votes. What if and they, they read it and then Jeff said, "Actually, nobody's going home." That would be interesting. That would be goopy because then you would see where people went. It's like and- they come up to snuff the torch, and he likes that, and then he throws the snuffer in the fire. <laughs> throws himself in the fire. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> joking. It was a joke. <laughs> uh. um, but I think the problem with that is there would be a huge... I, I love the idea of, like, let's reveal the votes, but nobody's going home. But 
people would be like, oh, they saved Carolyn. They saved Carolyn. Like, this is producer. They they actually went and voted, and they saved Carolyn, which I probably would be the one saying that. Um, so I love the concept, but I don't think they could pull it off safely. There was a moment in Australian Survivor this season, without giving any spoilers, where uh, somebody was medevaced, and they didn't announce that somebody was medevaced. And it was from the actual tribe that was at going to tribal council. They all cast the votes, and Jonathan comes back and says, so just an update, your tribe mate is not coming back. Would you like me to read these votes, or would you like to go back? And they have to decide... Are you going to read the votes and send another person home, or do we all just go back to camp? And if you're in the if you're in the group that's like, well, I, I'm pretty sure my plan went forward, then you want those votes read. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but it had to be a unanimous decision. So there is a fun way to do that, I think. Fascinating. Okay. Before we go, because this jam jam and Josh and Carolyn situation never got to be resolved. What do you hope for them moving forward? Can you see the three of them working together? Or is this just so fractured that they're going to have to get picked up by other alliances? Mm, I hope they disband. I don't really need to move forward with Josh in terms of an alliance member. I also just don't think he's like strategically cunning enough to benefit Carolyn and Jam Jam working with him. So my best case scenario... I would like to see Carolyn and Jam Jam solidify this final two. And then I'd like a link up with Franny and Matt. Cause mm. I like the idea of like these two couples coming together, a la Parvati, Amanda, Ozzy, James. Mm. I feel like that would be really strong. And then I've still got, I mean, obviously I have my Pittsburgh Heidi. So like I need her to like get in the mix at some point. And then, but I, but I also, I wouldn't hate Carolyn and Jam Jam reuniting with Carson. I feel like that would also be really satisfying. Yeah. The question yeah. really becomes this uh, bond that's being built between Carson and Kane. Is that just like circumstantial or is that something that they'll move forward with? What's exciting seemingly is that Danny and the football player mm-hmm. whose name is Brandon. Brandon. It's at this point, the names I don't know is largely because There's we're not seeing them on yeah. the show. There's yeah. a reason. Um, but if Danny and Brandon are so explicit about this bromance, it would mean that there's a lot of like under quote unquote underdogs that could band together to take them out. And I feel like that would be very gratifying. I think that it's very promising that we got so much content about Carolyn saying, I don't want this bro thing to be happening. Mm -hmm. I will get to the merch. I am a strong player. I've already made moves and they better watch out because they've just disrespected me to my face. I think that's really promising because I think Carolyn is a figure that people could rally around. So she could pick up sort of like a ragtag group of Franny's and Matt's and Carson's and Jamie's or like whoever to come together and sort of overthrow any of these strong men remaining in the game. Concur. So, yeah. Do you believe Josh would have gone home had they gone to tribal? I do. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, like we had Carolyn literally hug and say, I was going to vote you out. I also just think that, like, even uh, Carolyn and Jam Jam's bond aside, I just think neither of them, as much as I think Jam Jam and Josh, like, connected in that moment, I don't think it was, like, that deep of a bond. It was yeah. more like they don't a know great each other. moment for them. I don't think it was the kind of conversation that has you saying, I will never vote for this person. Wait, sorry, I'm sorry to put you on the spot here. There is an example of a conversation happening between two players that actually resulted in one of them going to the confessional and saying, after hearing this, I will never vote for this person. Do you know what I'm referencing? 
no idea. Okay, anyone, you can leave it in the comment section of the Drop Your Buffs post. There, but this, there's an example of like some heartfelt conversation where someone learns something about the other one and is like, I will never put your name down on the parchment. Mm. I'm sure it might've even happened multiple times. Now, I have been looking for possible emojis um, while we've been conversating and nothing is like popping for me. Um, Sean, is anything coming to mind for you? Is there like an orange slice or something for what fell out of Carolyn's mouth? I mean, there is an orange. But not a slice. Well, Sean, I mean, what do you think there's an orange slice emoji? <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen the new emojis they're introducing for the yeah, next not, iOS I mean, I, update? I they're that, like, they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. A moose? Should we do, there is a person climbing a mountain that... <laughs> It's like a cliff. They're, like, they're hanging You're off right. of a cliff, which we could do in homage to Matthew. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like that. So it's literally, it's a person and there's a cliff. There's three different genders. Choose your gender. Um, but yeah, it's a cliff on the left and then it's a person and they're grabbing the top of the cliff and hanging off of it. It's in the sports section. It's the last thing that comes up when you type in mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when you say mountain, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the Gwyneth Paltrow um, cover of Landslide mashed up with her ski trial. Mm. I know you're loving the ski trial. I love the ski trial. I'm loving the ski trial. Yeah. I'm having a ball. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. funny. It's like I needed something to make my personality because I've been having a rough week uh, legally. <laughs> mm. and, uh, and this was a good distraction for me and a legal distraction how oh my god, you, how funny. I'm having a difficult time legally and I'm covering a legal trial. How do you ID the clothes that she's wearing? So sometimes brands will send emails. Like Brunello Cuccinelli sent an email out being like, and this happens all the time. This happens with red carpets or even just like, you know, paparazzi photos taken. Um, and then oftentimes people from brands will reach out to me directly after I do a post and be like, so for instance, the glasses company reached out uh -huh. to me and are sending wow. me the Gwyneth glasses. No, they're not. Yeah. And, and they're sending me them prescription and everything. And I and they wow. were like, what they were like, what kind do you want? I was like, I want the 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 kind, the same colorway, the whole I want the Gwyneth glasses. So that happens. And then also there's some great like fashion historians online that are able just to yeah. ID these things from site alone. Amazing. Yeah. That's but like, for I'm instance, like the, the, the Prada boots, it's like, I can ID those from site alone. Yeah. They're like so specific. And then like, there's also just like, when you see Gwyneth Paltrow in a cashmere sweater, like there's only five brands that Gwyneth Paltrow is going, like, it's not so hard to be like deduce, like, okay, she's wearing the row. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was she drinking the, her bone broth soup? No, she has been drinking mountain spring water. Oh. Yeah, she sort of, there's been two bit. is it, it's mountain spring water, right? Hold on. It is, Mount. excuse me, mountain valley spring water. That okay. has been her drink of choice. Although there could be bone broth in that bottle. Like I can't confirm that mm -hmm. it's the actual spring water. So that's been one thing. And then there's a notebook, a blue notebook that people have ID'd. It's a certain brand. I'll I'll, I'll look it up and <laughs> drop it in the comment section. But um, those the the notebook and the and the bottle of water have become. Oh, and then her bag, that that big bag um, yeah. that she brought to court on the first or second day, which has not reappeared since. Those have been some of the big props to emerge from this trial. Okay. Has anybody ID'd the one ski outfit she has? No. Okay. Not Get to my that. knowledge. Okay. Well, for anybody who's still here, uh, 
Of course, Australian Survivor has wrapped a very iconic season of Heroes v. Villains. Ricard and I sat down yesterday with the executive producer of that show. There's only one, unlike in the US where there's like seven executive producers. So we spoke to the executive producer, David Forster. He's a queer man who, by the way, is very cute. And we had such an incredible conversation with him. It's honestly one of my favorite interviews I've done on Drop Your Buffs. It was like truly fascinating to talk to an executive producer who's making the decisions, talking about how to, like a vision for the show, how the story is told, winner edits, when to put twists into the game, when not to, comparing it to US Survivor. We talked about the possibility of an all international, all star season so much he teased what's coming for australian survivor next season so uh that episode will be available tomorrow it's available right now for patrons of drop your buffs so look forward to that and we hope to also get at least one or two players from the season it's been a little more difficult than i thought it would be but uh we'll see about that i would like to at least talk to a couple people so stay tuned for that you would have your best interview while i'm not around Okay, wait, riddle me this, uh, for those of us that have not tuned into uh, AU, wait, sorry, AU HVV, um, which, mm-hmm. by the way, for those curious, I am currently watching season two of Australian Survivor, which is why. Who was your I, last boot that you saw? Mm, uh, brain fog. Yeah, hard to say. I'm like six episodes in. I'm enjoying it, but I feel like we're like, take, we have like some, we're just like attending to business at this point to like get down to it. Um, but my question for you, well, two questions. The second one will, inf- will inf- be informed by the first one. Uh, U.S. Survivor, Heroes versus Villains, how would you rate it on a 1 to 100? U.S. Survivor, Heroes versus Villains, 1 to 195. And Survivor Australia, Heroes versus Villains, 1 to 100? 88. Okay. Like, pretty close. I would say it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. I would say overall of all the seasons (laughs) I've seen, probably... Heroes v. Villains Australia might be in my top five all-time seasons. Work. Like, I really, really loved it. There definitely, as with every Australian season, there is a moment of lull post-merge, but I think the characters that we did have and were focusing on were uh, so worthwhile. So truly, truly loved that season. I think the last time we spoke, you said the last person you saw to go home was Amy. But I advanced one more. So Sam. Careful. I guess season two, Sam. Sam Webb? No. No, Sam Gash. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sam. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Wait, were you saying Four? careful? Okay, is she coming back? Well, I'm back? just saying she's been on Drop Your Buffs, babe. Oh. <laughs> she's a friend of the pod. Work. Shout out to Sam. Uh, so, <clears throat> actually, Sam Gash was supposed to fill in for Ricard this season, oh, and she ghosted me. Oh, okay, so now I'm connecting the dots. Okay, yes, yeah, so Sam just yes, went yes. home. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's talk after the next episode. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming also, coverage of Survivor. Also, I just have Survivor. a question. <laughs> sorry yeah, sorry not to cut you. Go for it. Sorry, sorry. I just would love to hear from people. I feel like we have been less negative this season, and I just want to, like, check in with the listeners here. Um, let us know in voice memos, how are, how, are, how are you all feeling about Drop Your Buffs season, whatever this is? Hmm. Like, yeah, and in. I'll say, we haven't, had a, we haven't had a new review on... Oh. 
Apple Podcasts since our traders coverage. So, and, and you know what's amazing is I don't even think, yeah, definitely like the first episode or something, uh, we were trying to be more positive. But I think the great thing about 44 so far is like, we haven't had to try to be no. that positive. Like this was, a, this was a, we were really positive about this episode because it was a great episode. So all that being said, like put some reviews on the Apple podcast Please. Uh, because our rating is plummeting still. <laughs> it's not plummeting, but <laughs> I'd rather be divisive than be nice. You know what I mean? Are you and me both, um, Okay. So, with that, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> to make sure that you don't miss any of our upcoming coverage of Survivor 44 interviews, which we need to schedule, yeah, uh, and continued coverage of Australian Survivor, then subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it, please, 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 and follow it. At, follow us at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Patreon. We will be beginning our Panama rewatch very soon. And we also have merch. So you can check out our Black Widow Brigade tees, our Drop Your Buffs tees. We have some signed Black Widow Brigade tees from Parvati Shallow, which we are going to do a giveaway for. We just need to discuss how we're going to do that. But (laughs) keep an eye on that. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.